Today's sponsor is Audible.com, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at www.audiblepodcast.com slash crush. All right, everybody, welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. Uh, my name is Chris Denson. I'm your gracious host. Some people say gracious, and I don't know. I mean, I am gracious, but it's just a word that always pops out of my head for some reason. But I am gracious to have you guys as listeners. And in case you're tuning in for the first time, this show covers all things ideas, creativity, inspiration, uh, specifically in the business arena and and outside of it sometimes, too. So um, today we're going to combine a little bit of all of those things, and we're chatting with Dave Asprey. Say hello, Dave. Yes, uh, and also Merlin's joined. <laughs> you want to tell everybody who Merlin is, and then we'll introduce you. I like I like the Merlin story, and I like your story too. But the Merlin story is also cool. This is actually the first time in hundreds of times of, of doing the podcast that my dachshund Merlin has joined us. He's uh, ten years old and he's blind, and uh, was feeling a little lonely today. So he's on my lap for this interview. Aww. Any weird any weird grunts? He's taking the blame. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Any weird grunts on my end? Uh, I, I have nobody to blame. So. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess for for starters, uh, let's. How about you give us a little bit of one hundred and one on uh, who Dave Asprey is? I, I've had a, a pretty good career in Silicon Valley. I, I was the first person to sell anything over the internet a long time ago, and I weighed about three hundred pounds when I did that. <laughs> I made six million dollars when I was twenty six. Uh, I only weighed about two hundred and seventy pounds when I did that, and I worked out an hour and a half a day, six days a week cut my calories, cut my fat, and basically got brain fog and didn't, couldn't lose any weight doing that. Is brain, just, fog, is brain fog a, a real condition, and what is it? It, it is a real condition, and it, it's something that, that a lot of people experience when they get too much stress or when they get uh, toxins or just when they get sick. And I ended up being diagnosed with Lyme disease, with toxic mold exposure. I just released this week a documentary about toxic mold uh, that was filmed by some top-shelf filmmakers called Moldy. And... Uh, what had happened was I'd been poisoned by my environment and was way overstressed with all of this uh, early cloud computing days in Silicon Valley. And I burned myself out uh, physically and mentally, and I couldn't remember things. I couldn't think about things. And one day I just realized, look, I'm doing everything and it's not working. And it's not that I don't have enough willpower. It's not that I didn't try hard enough. It's that it doesn't work. Hmm. And that was when I became a biohacker. Uh, so my, my background's high tech. I was a computer hacker. I quit my job about two years ago working for one of the largest computer security companies in the world as vice president. And I run the Bulletproof Executive, which is a website for people who want to perform better. It's got millions of people visiting it every month. I was ranked the 14th most influential voice in health and fitness for 2014 in a quantitative ranking. Um, actually, it was number 11. I was right behind Tim Ferriss, not number oh, wow. 14. They gave me an upgrade. <laughs> you got three, three, three extra places. Um, define the term biohacking. And biohacking is a term I helped to popularize. And it's the idea is, is that you can control the environment around you and the environment in, inside of you, which gives you control of your biology so your body will do whatever you want it to do. And that means you want to walk around like a wall of muscle. You want to be a bodybuilder? Great. What are the things you have to do to do that? You want to walk around like a CEO <laughs> with a, you know, limitless energy and lots of mental focus? Uh, you can do that. And you want to be you know, a really good parent who isn't just tired and cranky and yelling at your kids at the end of the day. 
Uh, you can do that or some combination of the above. But if you don't understand that your body responds to your environment, it doesn't respond to what you want very well. Uh, unless you take that step of making changes around you to get the changes inside of you that you'll kind of miss the point. And that's the point that I had missed when I was young and made a lot of money that I subsequently lost. <laughs> so <laughs> I've, I've kind of ridden the roller coaster. You've gotten it back though. You're, you're doing okay. Um, so I, I like this, this phrase that's on your website, supercharge your body, upgrade your brain, be bulletproof. Um, kind of walk us through the, those three statements and, and what they mean to you and what they mean to your, your audience and your, um, your customers. Well, when your when your body works well, it's it's the support system for your brain. And so many people are, are focused. I want abs. If you do things to your body that give you abs, but take away energy and make it so your body can't effectively support your brain, you might look good, but you feel like crap all the time. And, and this is endemic in Hollywood. And I know there's a lot of Hollywood people on Bulletproof Coffee right now. Uh, for exactly that reason, you can break your biology in a quest to make your body look a certain way. And what I found was that if you work to make yourself feel a certain way, that your body will step up and it will it'll realign itself so that you look good, you look healthy, but more importantly, you have all this energy and you feel really healthy uh, because looking good and feeling crappy is seriously not okay. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, uh, speaking of Hollywood, there's a lot of uh, people who do have bad attitudes <laughs> because of that very thing. But uh, you think about like, you know, giving that, the information sounds great, right? It sounds great in theory. Um, how do you get people to apply it, right? Because it, it it almost feels complicated and, uh, and you know, you want people to go, oh, cool. Like it's mind, body, and environment. Um, but it's a lot of stuff to sort of pay attention to. So what are sort of the steps that you try to get people to walk through in order to to live out the the bulletproof principles? It's actually incredibly complex. So for, for 10 years, I've run an anti-aging research and education group called the Silicon Valley Health Institute. I've learned from hundreds of doctors and health practitioners and nutritionists and exercise physiologists and people like that in my own quest to upgrade myself. And one of the biggest things I've done is I, I wrote a New York Times bestseller called The Bulletproof Diet, which is only kind of a diet book. The important thing, though, is a framework that I give away for free on the website. And it's called The Bulletproof Diet Roadmap. And it puts hundreds and hundreds of data points onto a single roadmap that you put on your fridge. And it tells you this kind of food is probably going to make you, quote, bulletproof. These are the foods that make most people feel full of energy, that have a lot of nutrients in them and don't have a lot of these anti-nutrients. There's a whole bunch of foods that make some people weak and other people tolerate them okay. So these are like suspect foods. If you don't know what's making you weak, if you're eating kryptonite for you every day, you will never feel as good as you could. And then there's a list of these foods that are basically kryptonite foods. You, you don't eat those because they're not suitable for high-performance humans. They're better than starving, but they're just not part of kicking ass in any way, shape, or form. And so when you start looking using this lens on a one-page infographic and say, all right, this is just how I'm going to think about my food from now. From now on, you feel different. And if you do the Bulletproof Coffee hack, which is uh, something that I'm pretty well known for these days, and you add all the right oils and you use the right beans – what you end up with is is a kind of focus and a feeling of energy that you're you're not used to. And the point of that is that I just want people to experience one day where they go, oh, that's how I'm supposed to feel. Because once you do that, you'll make the changes in your environment. You'll change how you sleep. You'll you'll exercise more or less or differently. And you'll do these other things because it's so precious to feel that way that you'll do anything it takes to do that. And when you make those changes, 
not only do you start to look better and you have more energy, but you're actually nicer to the people around you and you don't have road rage <laughs> and you have emotional regularity and uh, things like PMS get better. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm kind of feeling bulletproof. Like, like I have so much energy. I can bring it no matter what. And that's what bulletproof is all about. That's awesome. Um, you know, and that, that you touched on something a little bit earlier and it's just kind of like, uh, I, I like to look at it as the idea of the quantified self, right? There's, you're looking at data and metrics and all these different things to sort of make your existence better. Um, but also when we talk about how complex some of this stuff is, uh, it can be overwhelming to the average person, right? So where's like, where's the, I get the, the refrigerator sort of map of the food thing. But when you start to think about like, you know, how you process problems, Problems, right and how your these there's interconnected like your mental state affects your health affects your you know what you feel like eating at, the, at that point in time and like how do you strike balance in that sort of I don't know pool of information and human nature here's what no one tells you if you're eating wrong all of that personal growth work you're doing is a waste of time because your body will hijack you. And, and the reason this works is, is there's three behaviors that we all have that are hardwired into your meat. And every mammal has these behaviors. In the Bulletproof Diet book, I call it the Labrador brain. So picture this dog. In fact, this case, we'll use a dachshund since there's one in my lab. Normally it's a Labrador, but uh, big floppy dog. And it's walking along and all of a sudden it sees something and it immediately stops what it's doing and, and it turns and looks towards that. And it says, is it a tiger? Should I run away? Or is it a bunny? Can I chase it? Okay. That was distractibility. And there's a part of your nervous system right now, Chris, that is paying attention to whether it should run away or whether it should go do something more interesting. And there's ADHD right there. Like this is a major problem for people because this is something to keep us from getting eaten by tigers. And it thinks your email that's coming in might be a tiger and it's ready. Hmm. That's one of those three things. Right. The next thing that this dog will do is just walking down the street. It's like, oh, look, a gutter taco. Like it's, it's a week <laughs> old, but I think I'll eat it because my job is to eat anything that might be food so I don't starve to death because starving to death is bad for the continuation of the species. Now, do you ever say you're not going to eat the bagel and then you eat the bagel or whatever it was you told yourself you weren't going to eat? All People the time. People do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and the donut, by the way, which was oh, National donuts. Donut Day just passed. So. Um, no, that, and what's okay. So and there's a third, the right. third one, the dog walks down the street again. Oh, look, there's a leg. Let me go mate with that. Okay. So in order to reproduce the species, we need to have sex a lot. So the three things that get all of us in trouble all of the time are we didn't pay attention to what we wanted to pay attention to. We ate stuff we didn't want to eat. And then we either had sex with or wanted to have sex with things that when it didn't make sense. Right. <laughs> So that gets us into all kinds of trouble. Well, the third part is okay. No, just well, yeah. you know, it's kind of fun. I'm, I'm with you there. And one of the things that you can do with very specific uh, variables is you can turn off one of those three things, and that is the hunger food craving thing. And when you can get the the levels of certain things that come from metabolizing fat to just high enough it turns off your hunger hormone, which is called ghrelin, and it turns on your fullness satiety hormone, which is called CCK. And the fastest way I've ever found in 15 plus years of, of doing this is bulletproof coffee. And you put this stuff called brain octane oil in it, and it spikes the level of something called ketones in your blood. And people who run into paleo or Atkins know about ketones. For mm -hmm. everyone else, it's just a fat burning thing. When your body's burning fat, it gets energy from fat instead of sugar. When you get this, all of a sudden, all those little voices in your head that, that happen around 10 a.m. where you're like, oh, look, 
someone put a plate of donuts out. And then you tell yourself, I'm not eating the donut. And then the, that dog in your head goes, oh, yeah, eat the donut. And you go, no, bad dog. And then you say, oh, I'm going to eat the donut. And you go back and forth. And eventually you, the dog grinds you down the same way a little kid grinds you down or a good salesperson. They, they just keep asking until finally it's just easier to just eat half the donut than it is to just deny that craving. And, and what you did there is you drained your willpower that you should have been using to make great decisions about how you're going to change the world or run your company or be a good parent, or play soccer better, whatever you could have done, you just made all those no, just saying no to yourself over and over makes you tired and weak. And if you can biologically turn off the cravings, so you don't have to say no anymore, it frees up so much extra capacity. And this is how I've been able to grow Bulletproof, even when I was working as a successful executive at a big company. Right. And why well, I can do what I can do? Because food has lost its power over me. Like I own that now. And it's it's amazing what you can do in every part of your life when you stop wasting decisions on telling yourself not to eat stuff that your body's craving. Um, well, let's let's uh, let's talk about the bulletproof brand for a second, right? Like you've been sure. able to take your own, you know, personal experience at age 26, 27 and grow this into, you know, multi-pronged business where there's products, there's a, a, a I think your your show is actually a number one podcast, um, a documentary, you know, all these different sorts of programs. So, how did you go about growing that brand and why? Really, it's one of the, it's one of the things you could have stopped at the diet, right? You could have stopped at the podcast. You could have stopped at, at a number of different points. But why did you continue to grow these other assets uh, you know, along the way? I, I already had a perfectly good job uh, in Silicon Valley uh, doing high-tech stuff. I've, I've been there for the creation of modern cloud computing and the birth of e-commerce. And it's fascinating stuff. So what I realized, though, is I spent like three or four hundred thousand dollars in 15 years upgrading my own biology when other people were out buying expensive cars i was buying expensive lab tests and just it, this has been something i care about because i had arthritis in my knees when i was 14 because i had lyme disease and toxic mold and because i weighed 300 pounds i have stretch marks still that i got when i was 16 because i was a fat teenager and it's one thing to to have this happen it's another thing to blame yourself because you just didn't try hard enough. And that's what I did. Mm. And I realized it was because I had bad data. No one told me how to do it right. And I had to figure it out for myself. And it actually kind of pisses me off. So I realized if I could just write this stuff down in a way that was digestible, if I could reach five people who were like me when I was 20 or 16 or 25, it doesn't really matter. If they would do just a little bit of the stuff, it would completely change the trajectory of their life just like it would have if someone had taken me aside and been able to explain this to me in a way I would have understood. And so that was the point of the Bulletproof blog, nothing else. If I could change five people's lives forever and it took me hundreds of hours to do it, that was a huge win because of what I went through. Right. Every, everything else I've done to build the brand is just about helping people. I already had a good job. I didn't need to do this to support my family. I did this because how could I not do it given what it does for people? And since then I've, I've lost track. Like thousands of people have reached out and said something along the lines of Dave uh, Bulletproof has changed my life. Uh, I can pay attention now for the first time. I've lost huge staggering sums of weight. Uh, I have to buy new pants. I look different. I got a raise. All these things are happening. And it's not because I'm some marketing genius. It's because I learned stuff from studying anti-aging stuff for 10 years and applying it not to old people, but to young people and figuring out what are the levers and knobs and dials and how do you label them so people who aren't experts can just try it and then experience the difference. And that's what's made it grow. It's 
use stuff that works. And that's the most powerful brand you could ever have. So in this transition from like, you know, job to passion, you know, which we find that journey a lot, right? Where people, especially guests that have been on the show are kind of like they, you eventually, those two things cross paths, right? With the, what were you good at, you know, before the bulletproof life that you've been able to apply in sort of the bulletproof movement and bulletproof brand? For five years at the University of California, I ran the web and internet engineering program. I actually taught other engineers in Silicon Valley how the early internet worked. And what that means is that you have to know how to manage a system that you don't know everything about. So if you're managing a computer that's on your desk, you can take it apart. When the computer is only half on your desk and the other half is somewhere else and it's not your computer, you realize that you have to make a decision when you don't have all the facts and you still need to keep things going. And biologically, that's called systems thinking. And I am a natural systems thinker. I'm a trained system thinker. I have a degree in decision support systems, which is a subset of artificial intelligence. And to apply all of that that we do in hacking, in computer science, and to apply that back to human biology, it's been a gift because I'm not a trained physician. But I know how to do things that a lot of physicians are would like to do, and they know how to do all the sorts of things that I have no clue about that are completely outside my wheelhouse. It's because I'm a hacker. I just pointed that hacking at my own biology instead of at you know how do I make this phone do something or how do I make this cloud system do something else. No, that's great, and, it, and it's I mean it's definitely like an a, an interesting journey, and I applaud you for you know finding that your voice in both arenas and being able to to bridge that gap. Um, what um, what I don't know. I was going to ask you a little bit about the Silicon Valley Health Institute and what is geared toward, and how like again I think when you talk about bridging the gap between your previous experience and what you're doing now, you know what is the Silicon Valley Health Institute and and what does it do and what's your role there? In 1993, uh, one of the guys who created Ethernet, uh, which is a major networking standard, a, a tech guy, not a health guy, founded this this group and it was back then called the smart life forum and they just met in someone's living room and then they met in bigger and bigger areas and it expanded about a hundred people who would get together and this is a 22 year old organization and for about actually now about 12 years of its time i've been on the board or the president or the chairman and uh it's amazing because every month they bring in a top expert in aging, Aubrey de Grey has been there, who's, who's been on the cover of Time Magazine talking about hacking human aging, and some other luminaries, guys like Gary Tobbs, one of the top researchers on, on what high-fat diets can do to, to change how people feel and how they act and how they age. And so I've had a chance to have dinner with all these guys and to meet them, but the group has always been around 100 people. You know, we, we got it up to 120, it's been down to 80. And it meets four minutes from Google's headquarters. And you know how many Googlers have showed up to these meetings? <laughs> how many? <laughs> Two. Wow. And they don't show up regularly. They come for a little while. And for me, this is a precious fountain of knowledge. And it costs five bucks to cover the cost of the classroom where we meet. Uh, I've, we put 10 years worth of video online for free as one of the, the projects. I've, I've helped to fund that personally because it's, it's not easy to put 10 years worth of video on the Internet. And... During all, all this time, I was learning all this stuff and I looked around and I was one of the very few people who was under 60 years old. So I've been learning from all these old people who are saying, uh, I wish I'd known this when I was younger. And look what I just did. I lost all this weight. I turned my brain back on. And 
it is so much harder to fix someone who is worn out than it is to prevent them from wearing out in the first place. Yeah. And here I am, I'm this guy who's lost all this weight and I'm eagerly applying all these techniques to my own life and going, oh my God, why does no one pay attention to this stuff? And the reason is really straightforward. You know who cares about aging? Old people. You know who cares <laughs> about wellness? Sick people. And you know what? There's a lot of people who are sick and don't know it because they, they've always felt that way. And I was one of those guys, too. I just thought it was supposed to hurt when you walked. I thought it was normal to be able to, like, barely stay awake when you're driving because you're just your brain isn't working. And all these other things, aches and pains and headaches and, and, and just feeling cranky and, and annoyed or having stomach problems. People just count those off as that's part of life. And none of those are part of life. That's actually part of death. Well, it's also, it's, it's, it's like, it's, a, it's, you know, uh, almost like ancestral memory or even um, uh, handed down habits from your other family members, right? Like if your mom or your dad went through a medical condition, you, you automatically assume like that's going to be the norm or, you know, yeah. the, the things that are close to you, you accept them as, you know, status quo rather than things you can, you can a- actually change. Um, I also think about this idea, like, I don't know, there's a lot of common sense that goes into, you know, nutrition and wellness. And there are messages that we've heard since second grade about the food groups and exercise and these are the amounts of food you're supposed to eat and like all these sort of things that have been ingrained in us, uh, you know, for I'm 39. So like you, you think about that, that's, that's a very long time I was uh, ago, I was in third grade. But um, why do we get it wrong? So in, in the in the first place, right? And and once we do go down that path, you know, it's I get the, the course correction is a little bit harder. But like, why do we get it wrong in the first place? Well, there's a lot of different things uh, come down to that. And it's usually well-meaning people who didn't follow the science. And the reason that happens, it always comes down to ego. Uh, in this case, a guy named uh, Ansel Keys, who had never treated an obese person uh, in his life, he was a 28-year-old uh, doctor, newly minted. Uh, he hooked up with George McGovern when McGovern was going to lose his Senate panel uh, sometime in the early 70s. And his, he's like, well, I got to do something with this Senate panel. I said, well, I'll conquer the the nutrition problem, which probably didn't exist really in the country <laughs> at the time. So he, he met with Hansel Keys and they made up this food pyramid and this idea that fat makes you fat, which completely flew in the face of every nutritionist at the time. I'm 42. When you and me were kids, remember what the dieter's plate looked like? <laughs> yeah. No, they yeah, actually it, made it. They put it in the stores. Like there was a plate you could buy and actually put your yeah. portions on it. And the dieter's plate was a, a beef patty, cottage cheese, and a slice of tomato. It was a low-carb plate. Oh, and you get a piece of lettuce, too, just to look pretty. Uh, <laughs> So you could eat that. You'd still feel full, but then you'd lose weight because you weren't eating all the sugar and bread and stuff that makes you fat. And what Keys did was basically say, oh, no, you can't do that. There's some fat in the cottage cheese. There's some fat in the meat. So you need like a dried out chicken breast and a whole bunch of grain and cereal. And you end up replacing what your body craves, which is healthy fats that are undamaged. And you replace those with sugar and you eat a lot more and you eat things that just completely dysregulate your metabolism. So since we accepted that, once, you know, like you said, once you have momentum, the government's not going to stand up and be like, oh, sorry, uh, we were sort of wrong for the past 20 years. And we just gave a whole bunch of you diabetes and cancer with this high carbohydrate diet. Oops. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, vote for me. Uh, it, it's very <laughs> yeah, hard to change. Go, a, we'll be in Iowa on Tuesday, guys. Right. 
Uh, and that's that's exactly what happened. And, and the guy who tells the story best of all is uh, is my friend Gary Tobbs. If people are really really interested, it's called Good Calories, Bad Calories. This is a book that tells you every person. He's interviewed them all and exactly how it went down, where the scientific fraud happened, and how it flies in the face of 200 years of nutritional research. And anyone who stood up to Ansel Keys and the government back in the 70s and said, there is no data to support what you're doing. It is harmful. They all just got, they lost their university positions. They all got fired because you don't go up against a Senate panel. And it was a bit of a witch hunt for people who were standing up for this. And to this day, some of the people like uh, Robert Atkins, he had to deal with huge amounts of really nasty attacks on his credibility that were completely unwarranted. And I consider Atkins to be one of the most important nutritional figures out there because in the year that I was born, he published a book. Had I had the knowledge in that book, and it wasn't all the way right, it was directionally accurate, that knowledge would have completely changed my life. I wouldn't have stretch marks now. I wouldn't have been obese if I had just had access to that knowledge. But when you and I were teenagers, there's no way you would have found that because we didn't have the internet. And now, messages like that, things that so obviously work where you can lose 50 pounds in three months and, and feel like your personality changed, which is what happened to me when I cut out gluten and cut carbs when I was just 25 even. The, the difference is so profound that you cannot hold it back anymore because people will tweet about it and people will talk about it on their blogs and there'll be podcasts about it. So doing what works you can actually do now because you can talk to people about what works. When you and me were kids, you could talk to your high school classmates about what maybe worked or what didn't, but there was no national way to talk about it. So this is a, a sea change in right. health and it's scaring some doctors because their patients come in knowing more about their condition than the doctor does. And that's how it should be. Like you own your biology, you might as well manage it pretty well. Hey, 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 just a reminder that today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. Audible is offering you, the listener, yes, you, the one with the weird thing happening in your, never mind, a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to www.audiblepodcast.com slash crush, that's me, and choose from over 180,000 audio programs, download a title free, and start listening. It's that easy. In fact... We have a couple of guests who have books that are available on the platform that I highly recommend. Think about Peter McGraw, The Humor Code. You can look at uh, Captivology by Ben Parr. A couple of really great artists out there, really great knowledgeable people. Nolan Bushnell, the creator of Atari and Chuck E. Cheese. So I suggest you go on over to audiblepodcast.com slash crush. That's audiblepodcast.com slash C-R-U-S-H for those of you who are spelling impaired and get started today well even along those lines right when you when you do talk about biohacking and you know I, i've listened to talks that there's a, a event in toronto called idea city and there was a guy who gave a talk about 3d printing cancer cures and part of it was these one-on-one -on -one things that are built specifically for the patient's dna um and I, you know i think when you think about biohacking and how you know how do you go about hyper personalizing some of the methodologies that you're presenting right like so you and i like we may have the same chart on our refrigerator and like you said when you were 26 like you tried everything and it didn't work for you until you tried x so how do you go about like the personalization within the you know the health ecosystem the health and wellness ecosystem well, there's a free app on the iphone uh, actually and android now called food detective and it's something that i give away for free because it what your question is so important 
And what you can do is you can use this app to get your heart rate before you have a meal. And then it measures your heart rate after the meal. And if you eat something on the suspect food list that is actually kryptonite that's causing problems for you, it will reproducibly affect your heart rate. It'll raise your heart rate by 16 beats a minute. So you actually type in a little app, here's what I ate, and then you look at what your body did in response to it. And if you're eating something that's a suspect, that's a guilty suspect, it'll tell you that that's what that is. And the number of people who have rheumatoid arthritis because they're eating potatoes, around 20% of rheumatoid arthritis is caused by potatoes, eggplant, and bell peppers. Rheumatoid arthritis destroys your life. It's an autoimmune condition. And it's caused by eating a food that makes 20% of us sick and they're they're probably okay for the rest of us. If you don't know that, then you're going to basically trash your life if you're one in five people who have this condition. And it's a condition that affects tens of millions of people. These are things that are relatively simple. It's a free app. And your goal there is just find out the foods that cause an adrenal stress response in your body. There's a reason they do that. And that's free. You can go up and do the next level of doing something like uh, 23andMe to get a genetic profile. And then you can look at how your body processes something. And if you're like one in three people, including me, folic acid, which is a common synthetic vitamin that is required by law to be added to grain, it actually builds up to toxic levels because you can't process it. If you use the natural form of it, the one we're supposed to have called folate, then we can process that and everyone is safe. But if you're taking a multivitamin right now that has folic acid in it, and you have the genes that one in three of us have, you're actually doing yourself harm. Hmm. So, okay, that's a $99 blood test. Yeah. And you can go from there and, and look at your nutrient levels, look at your hormone levels, and most importantly of all, look at your inflammation levels and find out if something's making you inflamed. If so, your job is to find out what it is and stop it. Uh, um, have you seen the movie Limitless? Absolutely, watch Limitless. Because <laughs> uh, when I when I read about the bulletproof coffee and the supplements and the things that you're talking about and like this idea of you know putting something into your body or just this idea of clarity, right? And I, I think clarity is kind of a, a central goal uh, that that we all have, right? Because there's decisions that need to be made. There's you know whether or not I'm going to eat that donut or what I'm going to do for a career change, you know, or, or all these different things. Um, so you know, is that part of? Uh, I, I guess just talk about that for a little while, like the the idea right. of gaining clarity through you know wellness. The the first time I was on Nightline. Uh, they uh, they flew out to my house on Vancouver Island and uh, filmed because I was one of the few people who was openly talking about a smart drug called modafinil. And I'd take, I took it every day for eight years. And this is the closest drug we have to the drug that was in Limitless, the movie, you know, this fictional drug. And modafinil changes your ability to pay attention. It gives you amazing energy and focus. And it's a prescription pharmaceutical substance. And... I'm like, look, I've used this when I was getting my MBA at Wharton while working at a startup that ended up selling for hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, so I working full time and getting an MBA and and just performing at these levels, I couldn't do it without this drug, partly because my biology wasn't very healthy. I, I hadn't learned how to manage my own operating systems very well. But this stuff changed my life. And I was just open about it and saying, look, uh, if I felt like I'd be cheating if I didn't tell you I was taking this. So it's not an unfair advantage because it's something that anyone who benefits from it can have access to. And the risk-reward ratio, I believe, on that drug is pretty good. And it's not risk-free, but the risks are pretty low and the rewards are pretty high. And 
I've since gone off that drug because I found when I managed my biology right, when I used the principles behind biohacking and when I use, uh, yeah, bulletproof coffee, uh, my, my brain works. Even when I measure it quantitatively, it, there's a very small difference between that particular drug and being on it and being off of it. Whereas before, half my performance came from a pharmaceutical. Well, did you, did so you, did you, did you can do it. Did you feel like you had to, I mean, kind of looking back, did you feel like you had to, like you were on the, on the drug for eight years? Did you feel like you had to experience what that was like in order to seek it out without it? Right. So, you know, you know, yeah, th- there's something to the training effect. When you get used to having a brain that works all the time, you expect it. I never had a brain that worked all the time. It was very hard for me to pay attention. I was diagnosed with ADD. I probably had something more like Asperger's syndrome. It runs in my family. And I had many of the symptoms of it um, up until my my mid-20s when I started really controlling what I put in my mouth because your food changes your brain. And in my case, I had some autoimmune conditions that were affecting my brain. And so I'm not entirely sure what all, you know, exactly what that drug uh, what what all it did in order to overcome inherent weaknesses I had versus uh, other things like that. But I do know that I can measure the difference on right. it. And that most people who tried it as a result of reading about this uh, on the Bulletproof blog, uh, most of them have, have said, oh, my God, like this is a big difference. And, you know, the the guy from I believe it was Rolling Stone in Australia, the head editor there tried it and said, I'm keeping this in my glove compartment because no one should ever drive a car who doesn't have access to this because if you're going to fall asleep, it'll keep you awake way better than coffee. And OK, that's one one side of it. But there's others who say when I take this, I can do my work and I'm nice to my kids. When I don't take it, I'm cranky and I can't pay attention and I'd probably get fired. And I was probably <laughs> more like one of those guys. Right. Um, speaking of bad attitude, moldy. The moldy attitude. Um, your 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 doc. The documentary. Uh, you know, which uh, surprisingly uh, was not about my socks. Um, but <laughs> nice. thank you. I I wrote, actually wrote that one down, but I did the other <laughs> joke first, and now I just I'm in joke hell. Um, but no, I'm curious as to just you know a little bit more about the documentary and you know these sort of in home invisible kind of toxins and how those. Uh, you obviously had some experience with that personally, but you know I, I watched the trailer earlier and. And it's, it's, I mean, it's pretty intense. So the people who are interested can go to moldymovie.com and you can watch it for free, at least during our 10 day screening. And um, this is a movie I spent two years making this and, and a very substantial amount of money. The, the filmmakers are, are people out of Miramax and actually one of the guys from Electric Light Orchestra, a pretty well known band, did a custom soundtrack for it. And I, I did this because 28% of people have genes. That mean if they go into a house or they even worse live in a house or a business that has toxic mold growing behind the walls where you can't see it, it turns on inflammation in these people and they never really get better. And it makes you unable to control your emotions. It makes you weak. It makes you fat. It makes you tired. And it basically sucks a lot of the wind out of your sails. And you don't know why. And like your joints hurt and you're cranky and and it just it it sucks. And no one believes it because it, it really knocks down 28% of us. The rest of us, it's just linked to things like cancer and mitochondrial damage and DNA damage and all these bad things. But you might not really feel it right away. So some of us are canaries and the rest of us just get sick and we don't really know why or how and it takes longer. We've made this problem really bad because we changed the type of mold that grows in our soil through our agricultural processes and we build houses that are very susceptible to mold because they're sealed tightly because they get condensation and because they're made out of paper and wood, which are growth mediums for mold. Right. So this is something that 
is a major issue in the movie. We have people saying 50 to 80% of houses have water damage from poor maintenance. And so this is one of the things that's affecting everyone. And if you look to your left and look to your right, like one of the three of you has genes that make you weak when this happens. That means someone in your family, one of your friends, it's all around and they move into a place that's moldy. All of a sudden they gain 40 pounds, they get sick and they just are never quite the same again. And a lot of people lose all their friends because they just don't have any energy anymore to go out with their friends. And I grew up in a basement with toxic mold. That's one of the reasons I was obese. We didn't know it at the time, uh, but now the signs are very clear because I, I had these these signs and I'm one of the 28 percent, you know, lucky me. Um, <laughs> you got it all. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say you've got you've got you've got you've got it all. Um, yeah, I, I don't have the strongest biology. <laughs> I, I manage it very very well. It's made me a very powerful biohacker though no, because I know the levers and switches because I'm pretty weak actually. Well, that's great. <laughs> I think the sort of the kind of uptick on the that whole conversation is the fact that you know there are there's solutions. Right. There are solutions yeah. out there. And, and a lot of us are trying to do varying different things, whether that's, you know, professionally or in business or whatever. And, and, and like realizing there is a whole sort of interconnected ecosystem of everything you encounter. Like one of my personal philosophies is kind of like that. Everything's a metaphor. Right. So, you know, if you take that to, you know, in your world where it's a scientific thing, everything's kind of connected to it, it, the thing right next to it. Right. Uh, or the thing across the room. Um, and then when I, you know, as we have this conversation, I'm thinking about like, you've got the books, the documentaries, you're the chairman of an organization, you're running multiple prongs of what Bulletproof is, you know, um, let's talk about you as a business person and time management, right? <laughs> um, how did, how do you go about managing like all of these? Cause you, you're obviously a high energy person, but you know, from a practical standpoint, how do you tackle it all? Right. Cause I think we all have like things we can do and things we want to do. And then there's the things we have the time to do. Here's the thing. I, I'm actually a low energy person. Uh, keep in mind all, I, I was obese for a long time. Uh, when I don't manage my biology, I'm a low energy person. That's my natural state. I'm a high energy person because I took control of my environment <laughs> because I build systems around me to make me a high energy person. Cause that's what I want. Right. I, I took control of my, my environment around me, but also inside me, I've spent two months of my life with electrodes stuck to my head doing this program called 40 years of Zen uh, that I do with uh, some of my executive coaching clients. And this is something where it's a lie detector that tells you when you're lying to yourself about anything. And it, it adds IQ points and it adds focus and just the ability to control your brain. And it puts your brain in the same brain state as someone who's done a lifetime of Zen meditation between 20 and 40 years of, of Zen training. That's why it's called 40 years of Zen. So what I'm managing is not so much time, but I'm managing my awareness. I'm managing my attention and I'm managing the number of decisions I make because decision-making and willpower, they're limited. And if you squander them on craving donuts or you squander them on worrying about something you shouldn't be worrying about because you have some old programming, you know, you're still mad at mommy or whatever the heck your own issues are. If you have that software running in your head all the time, it sucks your energy, it sucks your attention, and it makes you less effective. I've managed to reprogram most of that using technology and using self-awareness and using ayahuasca with shamans in South America, whatever it takes. I'm, I'm willing to, to be Western and Eastern, advanced yoga practice, meditation. I have a flotation tank. I have a whole laboratory at home for hacking the human body. So that's what I manage is I manage my energy, my focus, my attention, and my decisions. And I have a team of, of people who are 
who are experienced and who are passionate and who are mission driven. And they're very well trained to do the opposite of what CEOs used to do to me. Uh, when I was uh, in Silicon Valley, it's like you, you come in and you present the info to the CEO and the CEO makes the decision. I'm like, no, 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 that's not how it works. People come to me and they say, Dave, uh, what do you want to do? And the vast majority of the time I look at them and say, I don't know. What do you think? Right. <laughs> Dave, do you want lunch at 12 or 1215? I don't know. What do you think? So in every one of those cases, someone has more information than I do. I'm just the CEO, right? My job is leadership and strategy and passion and vision. And I am like the main communicator for the company and the, a content generator. But if I have to spend my time every day telling people who have more information than I do how to do their jobs, then I'm a crappy CEO. So I refuse to do it. You come to me and say, what should I do? The answer is, you tell me. If you come to me and you say, look, I've got these three decisions. I'm pretty sure I should do this one. Here's why. Then we have a conversation. But I am not going to make that decision. I minimize the number of decisions per day because I fully empower my people. And the other trick is I've been influenced by uh, by Tim Ferriss and 4-Hour Workweek helped, helped me quite a bit uh, earlier in my career. Um, but I failed with a virtual assistant. I hired someone in the Philippines. I, I just couldn't make it work because I spent so much time and what I do now is I work with a, a real assistant who is full time with benefits and stock options, uh, actually two of them. And they help me to manage decisions and to manage my calendar. So I don't think about my calendar. You want to talk to me? I have no idea when I'm available. Right. Um, not my job. Even my wife. What are you doing today? I don't know. It's on my calendar. Like you can look, but I have no idea what's happening this afternoon because I know my calendar is orderly and I don't have to waste time thinking and worrying and stressing about that. Um, it, it also means that I know so many people like, oh, I book all my own travel and I have this tool for that. And I, I've automated things with this tool and that tool. And you can be so addicted to automation that you spend all your time setting up systems. Okay. My whole career has been setting up systems and cloud computing and all that kind of stuff. And now I, I kind of joke, I have one API. I'm, her name is Nikki. <laughs> She's my EA. And if if I need some sort of automation, she's going to automate it or she's going to do it. But I don't have to figure out how to automate my life. It doesn't make sense. So my biggest piece of advice for people when you're getting started out is find an assistant very, very early in, in the time you're an entrepreneur because this is a person that's going to help you have more scale because you can stop paying attention to little things so you can start paying attention to the big things. And as your company grows, as you become more successful – offload more and more things until you only do the things that you're very passionate about that are very important and hire people who have a passion for doing the things you don't like. Like I have an MBA from Wharton. It's a finance school. You know how much I care about finance? I don't like I've been a venture <laughs> capitalist at an EIR on Sand Hill road, but do I want to do spreadsheets? Do they make me happy? Do, do I dream in Excel? No, I, I probably dream in PowerPoint if I'm going to use a Microsoft application while I'm dreaming. And <laughs> um, that whole, that whole perspective on things is that I hire people who love doing the things that I don't like doing. And it's actually, it feels good to them. Uh, accountants, they love accounting. I don't love accounting. That's why I have accountants. If I loved accounts, I'd be one. And, so to be able to just do that without stress, without fear, without worry, it's that the ability to delegate without fear that has come directly from doing neurofeedback and meditation. That's what's let me scale my life and scale my company and to help more people. And that's, uh, that's what gets me up in the morning. I know I'm going to do things I love that are important and I'm not going to do things I hate. 
spoken like a, a true systems thinker. <laughs> no, so like I mean, you just like totally went through an entire system that allows you to do what you do best, and let the machine be the machine. And you check in and make sure everything's plugged in, and you come back, and the machine's still going. You're like, okay, good. Like, <laughs> what's next for you? Um, and and that's I mean, that's an amazing position to be in because most of us don't get there, right? Most of us are still trying to build the machine while you know while we're trying to use it at the same time. Well, the, the reason most people don't get there is is fear or ego or both. Um, even, even if you're just getting started out, it, if you're you know, working, at, uh, uh, working at Starbucks at, for you know, minimum wage like that, it, that's tough, right? Like how are you going to get someone to help you? And there it may be something as straightforward as, you know what, I'm going to take some of my hard-earned money and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually pay someone or a service to do my laundry, which seems like an incredible, incredible luxury. But if you can do that and it can free up three hours of your week that was drudgery to you and you can use those three hours to do something that's going to help you get a promotion, get a raise, do something else, uh, go back to school, whatever it is, it's actually a really good trade-off. And it goes it, it goes up from there. There are tons of young people um, fresh out of school or still in school who have 20 hours a week and especially with with millennials, it's awesome. They're like me. They're mission-driven. They care more about having an impact than they do about a giant paycheck. So you can, if you're doing something that's impactful, that's meaningful, that, that's helping people, you can recruit people to help you, and you, they're affordable. And that's part of what's helped Bulletproof grow is that I, I believe I pay a competitive salary and I have benefits and stock options and that sort of thing for people who work with Bulletproof. Um, but at the same time, I feel like most people who work for Bulletproof, if they had to, they'd probably work for free because the mission is so important and so big and it's so fun and because they like the people they work with. So even if you're just getting started, you can find someone to help support you who is organized if you're disorganized or who can help to fill in your gaps. And they'll like filling in your gaps if they're the right fit for that. And they may be someone who's young and inexperienced, but it's still cool because even though they might not make the same decision that you would make, if you're running at capacity, you wouldn't have made any decision. So now they're going to move it forward, even if they move it forward kind of in a not so perfect way. It doesn't matter. It was better than what you would have done yourself. And if that's your perspective and you can do it and accept failure without fear and realize that some things are not going to work and that's okay and you're not going to die when they don't work, you'll actually change the world. And that's my experience directly. No, that's great. I, you know, I, I look at that, like you said, the fear or the ego and the psychological connection to even, you know, like you said, like, finding like paying that person to do your laundry right and you might not make that much money but the, that's an investment in yourself to you know yeah. to free you up to do that sort of thing i had a friend who um you know he came to a he had an epiphany kind of moment where he had a friend who was a, a multimillionaire you know went over to his house and he was like oh like was just kind of like bugged by the fact that there were there was a maid there there was a butler and like there was somebody doing the gardening and so on and so forth and he he was so bugged that he was like he asked the guy you know why do you have all this stuff and he's like He's like, A, I'm I'm able to participate in their livelihood by paying them. He said, B, it frees me up to do the only the things that I'm good at, right? And to do more of it and to create more opportunity for other people. And it just put it in a different perspective for him. And, you know, and like he's doing very well himself now, but it was that sort of really weird psychological disconnect with what it means to what success means, right? We all have this weird, you know, um connection with whether it's good or bad of what success success is supposed to be or look like and what it feels like. 
people people are raised in a certain way and a lot of people don't know i worked in an auto parts warehouse for five years i used to weld truck frames for a living i worked at baskin robbins like scooping ice cream like i i didn't come from a, a wealthy family and you know, I, I paid for my undergrad education by by starting a company that sold T-shirts, uh, as well as working at Baskin Robbins. I, I I was scrappy and and working all these things, but I was raised like, how dare that family have a maid? Like, who do they think they are? Right. Like, you know, proper people clean their own house. And I'll tell you, I have a house cleaner now. In fact, as we speak, uh, I'm setting up my my property here on Vancouver Island, where this year we'll grow all of our own vegetables for the entire year in our in our garden. So there are right now about 10 people helping to build the garden because if I was out there right now with a shovel, I wouldn't be talking to you and no one would be able to hear this conversation. And <laughs> honestly, I think our conversation is more important than me shoveling. I'm glad you feel that. I like, I'm, I'm in, <laughs> it could have gone the other way. So I'm glad you're, you're enjoying yourself. <laughs> and I'm grateful they're doing it. And by the way, I, I know the guys who are working on the garden and, and they love gardening. Like they're so happy they're outside and like they're they're happy it's creating a job and it's creating some really delicious vegetables too and i don't know how to do what i do and be a great gardener uh, without help and to be able to ask for help is not something that came naturally to me because i wasn't raised to do that i was raised to be an island kind of and so as an entrepreneur if you want something to happen you've got to be willing to ask for and accept help and that is a skill that a lot of people never learned when they were kids and if you didn't learn it then and you don't practice it now you won't accept help in fact you'll actively reject and repel help when it's offered and you will not succeed when you have that attitude and you won't know you have that attitude if you do no that's great I, you know it's one of those things I, I even ask a lot of our guests because you know most of them are like oh they you know this guy or this girl created this thing and we celebrate the individual and I, almost every time i ask about team right if it doesn't come up organically i'm, I'm like so you're awesome but I, you know there i'm sure there were other people who touched your life i mean one of our guests was sugar ray leonard and we talked to him and everybody looks at a fighter is like wow that's a great fighter they don't talk about the trainer or the can or the parenting, the you know, the dad who put him in the program and like all this whole series of events and people who have touched this person's life to actually elevate them and go along for that ride with them. So uh, I applaud you for bringing that up on your own. That's great. Um, as we as we close, the show is called Innovation Crush. Uh, you've seen a lot of stuff out there from technology to biohacking to just uh, health and wellness. What do you see out there that you're actually crushing on right now that you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that thing actually exists and that's pretty awesome you know one of the things that's going to change the world here is uh, is big data and genomics uh, my my first book was around epigenetics which is the science of how the environment changes your genetic expression like which genes are turned on and this is a book that says look now that we know the environment's in charge how do you change your environment so that you can have kids who are smarter and stronger and healthier so what do you do before you get pregnant during pregnancy and this was published three, four years ago. It's called The Better Baby Book. And since then, the amount of science that's come out around what the environment does to the gut bacteria that you have, what it does to your stress levels, to your genes, we're completely unwrapping this whole new chapter in medicine and in human performance that's never, ever been studied throughout history. And what we're already learning, what we're going to learn by sharing all this data in giant sort of semi-structured databases in the cloud, it, it's on a level that what people are learning in medical school right now is probably wrong. 
because what matters to you and what matters to me may be very different. It may be genetic. And we also now finally have the power to change our environment, like your microenvironment, your bedroom. Maybe your bedroom should be colder than mine. And if you do that, something magic will happen. Maybe you should be doing a little bit more cardio than me and no one throughout history would ever know, but we can now measure it. We can tell which genes are turned on and turned off and you'll be able to make small changes in your life, changes that are so small you probably don't even care about them. But when you do them, you might live another 10 years. You might not get Alzheimer's disease and you probably can raise your IQ and you can feel a lot more energy every day. On top of that, we have all the neuroscience that's happening where we're now able to study the brain at such a, a fine level that we're just now learning how to tap some of the things you can do. I know multiple guys doing neurofeedback who can raise your IQ, who can turn off PTSD, who can help you reprogram behavior patterns you have that you don't like, using a computer to tell you when you're lying to yourself. That kind of stuff, we, we never had this ever. It took a lifetime of meditating in a monastery and now you can do it in a couple of weeks with computers on your head. It's a whole new world. And none of this was possible without the cloud, without big data, and without just massive computing power. So we're just getting into this. It's like the early days of the railroad from <laughs> that's 100 fantastic. years ago. It's awesome. No, that's a, and that's a great way of putting it, too. It's just like, you know, it's, and we're in this arena or this era of leapfrogging ourselves through, you know, through all these things. Um, and then this is uh, last but not least, I'm going to ask you to complete a phrase. Uh, innovation to me is... Innovation to me is getting out of your own way so that you can make really good stuff happen. That's great. That's great. Um, any 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 final words? <laughs> Not that I don't want to sound that, that daunting, but do you have any anything left you want to say before we close? Uh, you know, I, I'm going to uh, waste this opportunity to say something incredibly profound and just say, if you haven't had a chance to watch Moldy the movie, just go to moldymovie.com and uh, watch it for free because I guarantee you that there's someone around you who has this happening right now. They have no idea and it's just completely chewing up their life. So someone you care about is affected right now and it may be you and it's going to take you about an hour to learn about the stuff to see that it's real and it will absolutely change either your life or someone else's life. It's the biggest low-hanging fruit you can you can take care of if it's happening in your home. Moldy. Not about socks. Um, and uh, <laughs> where can people find you on the interwebs? Where they, I, I, We've said uh, just, Bulletproof a lot here, but uh, where do they find Dave Asprey? Uh, head on over to Bulletproof Exec, like Bulletproof Executive. Uh, BulletproofExec.com. There's a quarter million words of free content. Go to iTunes. Check out Bulletproof Radio, number one ranked in health and fitness most of the time. And uh, on top of that, there's all sorts of Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that. But uh, uh, if you're in Santa Monica, you could swing by the first ever Bulletproof coffee shop on Main Street. We're just opening that up towards uh, the end of the month here in June. And uh, we're we're making tracks. You'll be able to find a Bulletproof coffee shop in your city soon, I hope. Nice. I love it. Uh, well, thank you for joining us. Um, everyone, that was Dave Asprey with Bulletproof. And uh, my name is Chris Denson. You've listened to another episode of Innovation Crush, and I appreciate it. So thank you. We'll talk to you next time. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Slicinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years, 
one of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore because it's here and it's funny and I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.